What's up there, youth pastors? Paul Turner here from thediscipleproject.net. Glad to be with you. Hope that you're doing well. It is summer, everyone. It is summer. Break out the suntan lotion and slather it everywhere because you're going to be out in the sun a lot probably this summer. <laughs> you're going to be at camp. You're going to be on missions trips. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your skin. If you, if you don't, you're going to you're going to turn into a uh, I don't know, a raspberry or a, a tomato. Uh, you know, I, I can remember, you know, folks from Alabama would come down to Florida and just completely forget, forget to put on sunscreen. And boy, they paid the price for it. So I don't want you to pay the price for it. So this is a little PSA for you. Put on your sunscreen and don't forget. Okay. All right. It's because I love you. That's why I tell you these things. Because I know I've gotten burnt up before. But I hope that you're well today. Uh, if you're brand new here to the podcast, thank you for being here. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention and hope all of you are doing very, very well. Let's go ahead and jump into the motion metrics. I want to give a shout out to our top listener, Eunice Shoyebo. I hope that I'm saying that correctly, but Eunice, thank you for listening. Uh, also, our top cities, Columbus, which could be anywhere. I really don't know where. I mean, that could be Columbus, Georgia. could be anywhere. But Columbus, thank you for listening. Coshocton. I looked that up. Coshocton, Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. And last but not least, Beaverton. And now Beaverton could be anywhere as well. It could be Oregon. It could be Michigan. It could be Alabama. I live in Alabama. I've never heard of Beaverton, Alabama. But there you go. And then our top countries, the U.S., the U.K., and Singapore, Singapore, shout out to you, Singapore. But thank you so much, no matter where you're listening from, this is a global podcast. Uh, and I wanna thank you for doing youth ministry wherever you are, whatever country you're in, whatever size church you're in, from a mega church to a rural church. And it doesn't matter whether you're bivocational, full-time, volunteer, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for building the kingdom right where you are. And may God continue to bless you in all that you're doing. So today, uh, a little bit different, we're going to be talking about how to uh, create a code of conduct. I see this pop up from place to place, The people are looking for a code of conduct. I often ask, why do, we, why do we need a code of conduct? Well, now listen, I understand that some places might need it, but I've never really needed to have a code of conduct for my youth group. They just were, for the most part, well-behaved kids. If they, if they were doing something, I would tell them to stop it. <laughs> and they would stop it. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, take a look at how to create one and not just create one, but really talk about the purpose behind creating one. Okay. How can it be a life-giving code of conduct instead of just a bunch of rules? Okay. Now, listen, before we get into that uh, today, this episode is brought to you by my newsletter. That's right. I have a newsletter, if you're not aware of that, and I send out uh, a newsletter almost every week now. I think every week is kind of my schedule, and you're going to get videos, you're going to get articles, you're going to get quotes, you're going to get resources, all those things you're going to get. And if you want those things, well, all you have to do is sign up for the Youth Ministry Roundup newsletter. There'll be a link down in the description. And I can tell you this, with this particular episode, I'm giving you a free, you're going to download, you're going to get a free worksheet for yourself to work out a code of conduct 
for your youth ministry. I'm going to ask six very important questions. I'm going to give you some context for those questions within this podcast. And then you can use both this, uh, a link uh, to the, uh, the actual notes I'll put in there as well, and then the worksheet that you can use to create a life-giving code of conduct for your youth ministry. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into this uh, and start with the fact that teenagers by nature are inappropriate. Okay, if have you haven't noticed that, they are. Their immature brains sometimes come up with terrible things to say and do without any guardrails or filters. Now listen, like I said, I've never had to create a formal code of conduct, mostly because I never needed one. The students who came to my youth group were mostly well-behaved, and I, I had a good group of volunteers, and I didn't put up with any nonsense. That being said, if I had to create one, these are the questions I would ask, and I hope they're going to help you as well. So first of all, ask, what is the goal of a code of conduct? And I think the goal of a code of conduct is not to keep bad kids out, but to keep all kids safe. A code of conduct informs the group of best practices for human beings, backed by scripture, and upholds the integrity of the group so that everyone can enjoy, learn, learn about, and practice their faith in God right? That's the key question there. What is the goal? And the goal isn't like, you know, uh, let's just dump a bunch of rules on these kids or let's figure out how to keep certain kids out uh, because we automatically know they're going to be disqualified. Uh, Once they see this rule in practice somehow, they're going to go, oh, well, they don't want me there, right? So I I don't think that's the, your intention in creating this. At least I hope it's not. Uh, I hope that you're wanting to give a life-giving uh, code to these kids so that they know how to behave. And by the way, kids want rules. They want standards. They want those things. And we, as adults, have to be willing to put forth uh, good standards that make sense and that are trying to help them, right? They, they, will, they know. They know when we make rules uh, to hurt others or we make rules to push others away. They know these things. So that's why I call them a life-giving code of conduct because they know then it is to their benefit. The next question I would ask is this, is do you need a code of conduct? Do you really need one? Or, or I mean, because at the end of the day, the question really is, are you just not very good at discipline? Are you not good at disciplining students? Do you not have a volunteer team? Do you think because a, a bunch of students are going to read a code that you put up on the wall or send out to their parents or whatever, is that going to make all the difference in the world, right? So I would say then, do you need a code of conduct? And in some cases you do. I'm not saying you don't. Uh, I'm just asking the question. I think that's the question you have to ask. Do I need one or do I need to just get better at discipline or do I need to get better at uh, having more volunteers? Because a a lot of, you know, misbehavior amongst teenagers comes from those two things. comes from the fact that, you know, there's I once worked in a church where uh, the adult volunteers would not discipline the children like they could be talking in the middle of the message. Nobody corrected them. Right. Did we need a code of conduct? No. Did I need to make a rule? No. I needed volunteers who were going to, you know, enforce basic courtesy. That's that's what we needed. But if you're say, look, do we need it? Here's my here's my thing. Here's here's some, a code of conduct is necessary when a group of students become unmanageable to the point where you cannot effectively teach or run the program without incidents that work against the overall goal of the youth ministry. 
The second thing is you have regular outreaches that invite those who do not know Christ but need to know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable behavior on your church grounds. And then the third reason to have a code of conduct is if you have students who do not come to youth because they feel unsafe due to the lack of discipline among students. So you want to keep everybody safe. You want to keep the people that, you know, that come on a regular basis, you want to keep them safe. And you want the people coming in to understand that there are, there are standards that we have, right? So those are three reasons I believe that you, that a, a code of conduct is necessary. So put that into consideration. Okay. Third question, who should create the code of conduct? Who, who needs to do this? First of all, I'd say you as the youth pastor need to be in on it, but you don't need to create it by yourself. Okay. A code of conduct should have a hand from everyone it affects. You, the leader, can come up with the framework, but you should also ask your students and leaders what should be included in the code and why. This process will give you insight into what kind of group your students actually want to have and your place in managing it. After a general list has been put together, take time to refine it by sharing the code with a few trusted parents and your pastor. Remind everyone that the goal of the code is to keep students safe and unify the group as a whole going forward. Okay. Number four, number four question. What is your disciplinary procedure if someone breaks the code? This is an important question. I, I love how people love codes, but they have zero backup. They, they, they have no idea how they're going to enforce this. They just say, look, here's the rules. And at the end of the day, the rule is you either obey it or we're going to kick you out. Uh, and I don't understand that. That's not a life-giving code. That's a we're making this up so we can choose who we want and who we don't want. So in creating this code, you have to have a process that if the code is egregiously, okay, and I say egregiously broken, I'm not talking about little things here. I'm talking about they break something really bad and it's a thing. you got to have some process processes in place. Let me tell you, I had an incident one time where a young man was consistently pursuing a young lady in our group. No kind of conduct was going to stop him. And after several warnings, prayers, and discussion, I told this young man to take a month off to see if this group was really for him. Now, listen, you may ask, can you do that, Paul? Yes, you can. You can tell a kid to take some time off and, and you, it should be done. If it's so listen, if you will not discipline students, even at the risk of losing them, you are missing an opportunity to exemplify how God deals with us, his children. You can tell kids, say, look, take 30 days off. And once again, if they've egregiously done this, this is, you know, this is an egregious thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about they're talking during the message. I'm not talking, I'm talking about code of conduct, not, not just being impolite. Okay. Cause the Lord says, look, we talk about how God deals with us as his kids. We should deal with uh, these young people as God would deal with, with us, his children. The scripture says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And listen, that's not a bad idea to put it within your code of conduct to say, look, this is why we, we have a disciplinary procedure. This is why we do this. It's not, it's not because we like making rules. It's because we want to exemplify how the Lord deals with us in a loving way, right? The one he loves, he chastens. And so you, you, you're telling them, say, look, these, we have these standards because we love you. 
I know you think that we're making rules just because we just want you to behave, but we also are trying to show you a bigger picture of how the Lord deals with us, right? Now, I told this student, if after a month you decide that you, uh, you miss the group and want to come back, I need you to abide by the standards we put in place. And if after a month you don't miss the group, then I wish you well. Now, I will tell you this, that the discipline caused an uprising among his friends, and, and I received texts from those students telling me they would not be back. But I'll tell you this, I would not have changed the thing. It was an appropriate, appropriate measure. Now, I will say this, early on, my first youth ministry I was at, I did this with a student, and he accepted the discipline. He took the month off. I called him regularly. I talked to him every week, and he wound up coming back. And so, you know, there are kids who are going to, who are going to receive the discipline as it's meant, as in love. And there are some who are going to see it as you're just picking on them and you can't control how they receive it. All you can control is how you give it. Discipline is hard, but it is necessary. In fact, one of the young men uh, of the, of the group that left uh, went on to be a youth pastor in the same denomination. I I have a feeling he might now understand why I had to do that. Now listen, as I stated earlier, the goal of a code isn't to keep anyone out. It's to give your group the rails to ride on so that the mission of discipleship and growth is not derailed. A short break from youth ministry can be one of the disciplines you give with, say, expulsion being, let's say, the final step. What you need then is to create reasonable steps a process they can understand, a process that is fair. When any part of the code is broken with severity, I suggest these steps. Number one, communicate to the student that you love them. Number two, let the parent of that student know that you're concerned and you want to help. Number three, communicate to your pastor where you are in any disciplinary process. Number four, let the student know that their behavior is working against the overall mission of the group, but you believe they can be a part of fulfilling it. The code is not just a do not list. It's a way of sharing what is required from each person so that the mission of your group and of the gospel can be fulfilled. Rule number five is how specific should your code be? And in the case that I just described with this young man, I would not have put in my code, if I was creating a code just after that, no harassing the opposite sex because it would just be too on the nose. I wouldn't want to make specific rules just for specific instances, like no bringing tasers to church. Okay. If, if somebody brought a taser and tases somebody, I would not then include that in the code of conduct. It's just too on the nose. It's too specific. It's, it's, it does not, it's not a life-giving uh, instruction because most students are not going to bring tasers with them. So don't create specific rules for specific incidences. Remember, the goal isn't to make an example of anyone or to drive anyone away. The goal is to create boundaries so that the work of God can go on. Make the code as general as possible so that anyone new who comes to the group isn't wondering, why is that in there? There's an example that I found uh, of a, a list of things uh, uh, that you shouldn't do in this particular restaurant. And some of the things on this card, it was a card on every table in this restaurant. And it said, I'll just read you very quickly. No smoking, no fighting, no credit, no outside food, no sitting long, no talking loud, no bargaining, no change, no matchsticks, 
I don't know what that means. No discussing gambling, no combing, no leg on the chair, no hard liquor, no address inquiry, no flirting with the cashier, no sleeping, no running away. Okay. No music, no gum under the table, no charging point, no laptops, no candy crush, no free advice. Now, look, if this was a joke, then well done. Okay. But this feels like at least some of these uh, feel like it's based on the owner's dislikes and, and impossible past experiences. Here's an example of specific and general. Specific is no skimpy outfits, right? If you have uh, people in your group who may be wearing skimpy outfits, well, that's calling out, you know, a certain group of people. If you said dress with respect, that's general, right? That applies to everybody. Uh, I don't know too many guys wearing skimpy outfits. Uh, it's not that they can't. It's just that it, it, usually something like that applies to a particular gender. If you say dress with respect, then that's going to apply to everybody. Number six, how long should the code of conduct be? Well, the restaurant list has 23, this is the one I read here, had 23 no's. And it's quite funny, but 23 no's to a teenager is just a bucket list of rules to be broken. My suggestion is to keep the code short, five to seven standards, including how they present themselves when at youth, how you'd like them to interact with each other while they're at youth, and how you'd like them to interact with God while at youth. And last but not least, number seven, how should you communicate the code? Once you have your code put together and it has been approved by a consensus of parents, students, leaders, and your pastor, here are a few ways to roll it out. Number one, teach it and preach it, right? You could take, if it has five standards, take five weeks to, uh, you know, share. Uh, let that be your devotion or your message on that particular principle, because you're, you're, this is your part where you get to explain, explain the biblical basis of why this is a standard within our, within our group. You know, if you have a lot of students who don't know the Bible or don't understand the Bible, well, then, then explaining this is going to be to your benefit because you're saying, look, this is what we base it on. This is why we have this. And it can be part of a short devotion and you roll out a principle uh, each week and, uh, and share it with them. Number two, make it social, right? Create social media graphics and short videos of students sharing why a particular principle is important to them and how they try to reflect it in their everyday life. You could decorate it. Now, listen, you could just post the rules like you're like you're posting a sign at the beach. It says no alcohol, but you can literally say, look, we're going to post these standards all over our room. You're going to get creative. You're, you're going to say, look, how can we affirm the code around the room? Like be kind, love one another, right? Let students create art or design signs that communicate what your group is all about. Lastly, reward it. Find ways to reward students who are picking up what you're laying down. When you see students living the code or encouraging others to do so, find ways to highlight it and affirm it. Give them a free youth group t-shirt or wristband. Find ways to celebrate it. Students don't just need boundaries, but desire them and embrace them if you don't make it sound like you're running a work camp. Celebrate and affirm whatever code you've created with a pizza party or campfire and s'mores, whatever works for your group. My hope is that this episode has given you enough information to create a code of conduct that both creates expectations for and unifies your group. 
Let me conclude with one of my favorite quotes. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. A code by itself won't keep students from misbehaving. It will only afford you the opportunity as the leader to enter their lives and to share how Christ can transform them. A code without compassion makes you an enforcer, not a pastor. Keep in mind that the code is not meant to squash all bad behavior. It's meant to lift expectations, cast vision, and afford students a group that is safe and a place to grow to be more Christ-like. And that is it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you got some value from it. If you did, would you please go over it, get the link down in the show notes there and, and leave me a review. Give me a five-star review and I will read it right here on the air. Give me five stars, say some nice things. If you've got, that's how the word gets out about the podcast. If you want other people, other youth workers like yourself to get the kind of content that you're getting right now, then please go ahead and leave a review. If you're not signed up for my newsletter, the Youth Ministry Roundup, and you want the actual form, the actual worksheet to work out these principles for yourself, to create a code code of conduct for your youth group, link down below, sign up, get the code of conduct. You won't be sorry because you're going to work it out and you're going to uh, give a life-giving code. You're going to create a life-giving code to give your students so that they know what to expect and you know how to implement it. And that is it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. And if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a great job, let me tell you, you're doing a great job and you're only going to get better. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.